Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Matcha. So good. Matcha love. Yes, I love it. No, matcha love, the brand. Oh, yeah. Matcha love made with real Japanese matcha. It's rich, smooth, perfect for hot or cold brewing. Matcha is great because it's rich in vitamin C and EGCGs. What do you like to make with it? I like to make matcha lattes. I'm all about making smoothies. Why wouldn't you be? Get 25% off all matcha love products at ituin.com using code CRIME. That's code C-R-I-M-E at I-T-O-E-N dot com. Available on Amazon and E2N dot com. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. Saren. You know what's ridiculous? Yes, I do know what's ridiculous. Oh, hit me with it. People who comment on recipes online uh-huh. with stuff like, that looks good. Can't wait to make it. Why is that ridiculous? Why well, don't care? I mean, only say it if like, oh, this actually works. If you've made the recipe, mm-hmm. you can comment. So you don't want to hear enthusiasm? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I don't care what you think it might be. Uh-huh. I want to. I want. I want to results. I want to work with something that's going to help me get there. But what if that's like feedback of enthusiasm? You can see how many people are excited to try care. this. You're like, I wasn't excited, but since everybody seems so excited, I'm going to give it a go. Their excitement doesn't make me excited. Oh. You know, the other thing that I don't like is when people comment, well, I didn't like this recipe, but then again, I substituted and then they list like, instead of turkey, I used... Bacon marshmallow <laughs> and then like, just one thing after another well of course it's not going to turn out it asked for two cups of flour but i only had four tablespoons so i used apple so sauce. i used that but it didn't really come out negative reviews <laughs> that is ridiculous yeah that's ridiculous and my my opinions on it are ridiculous well i kind of got that's a little bee in a bonnet yeah <laughs> well i like that one actually it is ridiculous sure. even sure though i do. don't really follow the recipe scene it feels ridiculous <laughs> you're not recipe core no no no, no. well I don't even know how to read a recipe. 
I don't know. What There's to all say that stuff that. at the beginning. Like, I'm like, when do we get to the like recipe? Like the words. Well, no, I mean the, the story. I gotta, gotta like read the whole story before I can get to like two no, cups you don't. of butter. No, you don't. Because now uh-huh. they'll a lot of times online they'll have jump to recipe, oh. and I hit that so fast. <laughs> Smash that. I don't care about their journey. I just want the recipe. I like that. Yeah, yeah you ready for the story of a stolen brain? No, not really. No, oh, well, this was that's what I got for you. Okay. So, it's a good one. It also has a road jump to trip. recipe. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, features a great American road trip, a stolen brain from a very famous person, and the trip to reunite it with that man's granddaughter. Hmm. Okay. So, you ready for part three of our trilogy of the stories of famous stolen bodies? So ready. <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. today I would like to tell you the story of a man and his stolen brain. Yes. And that man's name is Albert Einstein. That's a brain right there. That's quite a big brain. Yeah. Now, just to get us started, have you ever thought about how much you're worth? I mean, your your body, not like your like sense of like value. My the the street value of my body. Yeah, exactly. You ever considered hey. that? Look, yeah, I'll just no. run, I'll run it down. What you have, what you're working with. All right, you got a body. It's sixty five percent oxygen, eighteen percent carbon, ten percent hydrogen, about three percent nitrogen, one and a half percent calcium, about percent phosphorus. Then you got some trace elements, potassium, sulfur, odium, chlorine, magnesium, iron, iodine, silicone, a bunch, manganese, fluorine, copper, zinc, arsenic, aluminum, just a bunch of stuff, right? Now, if we set the prices for all these minerals and we ignore the recent spike in rare earth mineral prices and inflation prices, and we just go off of like, I'm going to say 2020 prices, your body would be worth $5. That's generous. Yeah, not just your body, my body, anybody's yeah. body is about worth five dollars. Mine might be worth a little more because I'm all those percentages, but hundred percent attitude. <laughs> I just like a tweety bird on a t shirt. Does the gold or silver in my mouth count? Because I have oh, some old yeah. fillings, gold and silver. So yeah. I think that's gonna bump up like five, ten, five twenty. Sure. Sure. But when I ask all that, I don't really mean what is your body's worth, but like Let's just consider, well, I mean, we do put uh, a price tag on body parts, like a body. <laughs> you like are a, walking fine know, lines right? in my head here. <laughs> <laughs> like a black market kidney, okay? Oh, okay. I'm thinking living bodies. No, no, no. I mean, like, you know, like individual, you can put it on a scale body parts. Okay. So like okay. a kidney, like what will that run you? About a couple grand on the black market, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, it seems about right. I don't really know the prices. I don't talk to people who like harvest kidneys, but I read some news stories. I see the prices. Well, there are supply chain issues now, I bet. <laughs> I bet there are. Yeah. And with inflation, the prices mm-hmm. have got to have been going up. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, you have um, just one kidney, right? How much would one kidney be worth? Because, you know, it's going to be very valuable to the person who's waiting for the transplant, right? Right, right. And we typically sell functional organs on the black market. Mm-hmm. 
So basically the price and the value of that organ depends on how useful it is, right? Well, and how clean it is. Mm -hmm. How clean it is. So someone who doesn't really drink a lot of water Mm -hmm. and holds their pee in a lot, their kidneys are not going to be very valuable. Are you looking at me? (laughs) I feel like you're looking at me. I I don't know about your pee-pee habits. Let's just say uh, sometimes I run a little I think, dark. I think you're telling on yourself here. <laughs> so let's just say, uh, so you, you know, like there's a four-day-old kidney, right? The four-day-old mm-hmm. kidney, No, nobody wants a four-day-old kidney. You need a fresh kidney yeah, to go you in, need the, a in the transplant, right? Yeah. So after a couple of days, no matter how good the kidney is, no matter how clean the person is, how much water they drink, <laughs> it doesn't matter because the kidney is going to go bad after a couple of days Spoilage. out of the body, right? Mm-hmm. Spoilage, we'll call it, right? Now let's flip it and let's say it doesn't matter. We're not using the kidney for transplant. Let's just say we want to own the kidney because it once belonged to Prince. It's Prince's kidney. You're mm. like, how much for Prince's kidney on the open market, right? Now yeah. that totally changes things. Even though it's just one kidney, it's still more valuable because of whose it was. Right. right? Okay. Essentially, like, how much do you think Prince's kidney would be worth? I don't know. <laughs> I think like it, it depends, I suppose, on, on what people want it for. Yeah. I think that's I a mean, very key point. Is it going to be sort of like freeze-dried and then crushed, pulverized into a dust that people could snort? <laughs> is it going to be used well, in... That's where you go with it. I was thinking, like, you know, they're going to crush it up and they give away little pieces like the True Cross and, like, the fans could all get a piece <laughs> of a kidney. Oh, yeah, they could sell that as a commemorative. Or you could blend that dust into, like, some purple paint mm. and then paint your Chevy Chevelle. <laughs> Prince's kidney purple. Paint your uh, 1989 Ford Taurus, Prince Purple, <laughs> Prince Kidney Purple. I like that. I like where your head's going with mm-hmm. this. I, you know, I should be on Shark Tank. You really should. I mean, the, just the business sense you have. Oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. So now let's just go to our man of the hour, Albert Einstein. That's right. That's what do you right. think the value of, say, his brain would be on the open market? Now, that's interesting because I would think that for research purposes mm-hmm. that people <laughs> why are you laughing at me like, i think that's funny research purposes are like we can just unlock the brain and find the stuff in well, there well i mean like what if uh-huh. go with me on this one here i'm i've seat belted go what, on what if you look at einstein's brain uh-huh. and then you cut it open mm-hmm. and there's like gems inside special <laughs> brain gems that we didn't brain know existed Oh, snap. What if other people have the brain gems? How do we activate them? What if you cut it open and then a little man jumps out? I love this. Descartes, by the way, would love this, too. Descartes is a little man who jumps out of the brain. (laughs) See where I'm going with this? I do. It makes so much sense. I'm just waiting for you to get to the pineal gland and the seat of the soul, and we'll just have it all Mm -hmm. sorted out. Oh, yeah. Well, the issue of Albert Einstein's brain and what it's worth has actually been uh, a debate for about almost a century. Well, yeah. There you go. I found this out when I was researching. It turns out that the world-famous Jewish physicist was a target of the Nazis. And they had designs on his head. In fact, so much so they put a price on his head. Ugh, yeah, exactly. Sickos. Now, according to the journalist Michael Paternetti, or Paternity, he, and I quote, In 1933, a German newspaper reported that FEM, an extreme nationalist organization, had put a bounty of $5,000 on Einstein's head. When he heard the news, Einstein touched his hair and said, I did not know it was worth so much. Then he fled, first to Britain and on to the United States, to Princeton, where in 1940 he became an American citizen. $5,000 on Einstein's head back then. This is why when you see a Nazi, you punch a Nazi. Oh, completely. 
Like, the, no question. Yeah. This is the mindset. This yeah. Is the reason why. This is what we have to stamp out. Yeah. <laughs> so Einstein, big fan of America. He gets to America. He flees the Germans. They don't get to put a price on his head. Now, when he gets here, his head is still super valuable. And I don't just mean the, the theory of relativity and the photoelectric effect and all the various things that he gave to the world of science, but also... By this time, and we're now after after World War II, we're into the 50s, and uh, Israel has been formed. And Israel says, you know what? His head is worth it as the leader of a new state. We could have Einstein be the first prime minister of Israel. So they go to him. They go, hey, Albie, you want to be a uh, prime minister? And he's like, nah, no, I'm working on uh, world peace, right? <laughs> now, I swear to God, this is his thing. He turns down being the leader of the newly founded Israel because he's really worried about the atomic age. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I just kind of imagine his father sitting there like, Senator Einstein, Governor Einstein, <laughs> I had such high hopes for you. I think he, I think he surpassed all that. Well, no, it's the whole, you know, the, 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 the godfather. You. I was just picturing like, you know, his family would be so upset to him not to be the leader of Israel. Yeah. I I'm just guessing. That. I don't have no idea. Maybe his father didn't care about world politics. But the point is that Einstein, he wades into world politics, decides it's not for him. He finds that the world leaders are resistant to change. So by the 50s, he's pretty much just focusing on his gravity research and trying to get the last bits of his theory of relativity all like worked out so he can include gravity because he's over the earth. He's just like, mm. by 1955, Einstein is now 76 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay, he feels worn out. Einstein, he remarks to a friend like, in the weeks like leading up to him getting uh, hospitalized, he says... I finished my task here. He's just yeah. done, right? Yeah. Now, at the same time, his doctors are warning him. They're like, hey, Albert, we need to perform surgery. You got this condition in your body. Your aorta is hardening. You got issues with your arteries. You could suffer a fatal aneurysm. So Einstein, when he hears this from his docs, he tells them, let it burst. I don't oh. know why my Einstein is so all over the place, <laughs> but there you go. So dude's done with the earth. He's like just all the way over, as I said, right? So as his health is deteriorated, he, he's admitted to Princeton Hospital. His son, Hans Albert, flies out to from Berkeley, California, where he's a professor. And his stepdaughter, Margot, she's there by his bedside. Everyone wants to see him for his last moments. And on a Sunday night, the attending doctor checks on Einstein. He seems to be fine. His son should be there in the morning. Sometime after midnight, the nurse, a woman named Alberta Roselle, she comes into Einstein's room to check on him. She finds him labored breathing. He's just struggling to breathe. He looks real pale. He's thin from not eating. And at this moment, he's just sitting there muttering in his native German. Mm -hmm. The nurse listening to Einstein, she doesn't speak German. It's totally lost on her, whatever she's saying. He then kind of sits up, takes in two big inhales, exhales, and passes away. Oh. His final words are lost to time because the German is misunderstood by the nurse. Right. It's like right. the curse of a genius. His last words are misunderstood. Yeah. So the next morning, the world learns of Einstein's passing, right? So this news conference is hastily announced by Princeton Hospital. Meanwhile, around the same time, in the basement, there's a crime going down. Oh. Yes. Hospital pathologist Dr. Thomas Harvey is scheduled to perform an autopsy of Einstein's body. His mentor couldn't make it, so the task fell to him. So time to meet our anti-hero of sorts, Thomas Harvey. Now, I want you to just... Try to get you into the mind of this guy. He's a 42-year-old doctor. He's mm -hmm. a husband, father of two. He was raised by Quaker parents in a Louisville community. Mm. He would later attend Yale. Then he would go to med school there. He gets a job at Princeton Hospital where he's now working as a pathologist. Up-and-comer, Stryver, good career in front of him, right? Now, before he performs the autopsy on Einstein, Dr. Harvey had met Einstein a few times. He knows the guy. He'd gone to his house to take blood work. And I quote Dr. Harvey said of Einstein... 
he was very informal and cordial, a very kind sort of man, right? Yeah. Now, he hadn't, as I said, he had not expected to be the one to cut open Einstein's body. He was supposed to be his mentor, Dr. Harry Zimmerman, who was a neuroanatomist at Yale, right? Mm -hmm. But as Dr. Harvey recalled uh, from 1990, and I quote, (laughs) a fellow up in New York, my former teacher, Dr. Harry Zimmerman, he was going to do the autopsy, but then he couldn't get away. He rang me up and we agreed that I'd do it. Imagine my surprise. Wow. Fate cast them into this role, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Elizabeth, we're going to take a trip back in time to April 1955 to the fateful Princeton Hospital, and I want you to picture it. I'm there. Okay, the day, April 18th, 1955. In the Princeton Hospital morgue lies the body of the world's most famous scientist. It's near 8 a.m. in the morning, and Dr. Harvey arrives at the morgue. It's a green, tiled room, well-lit, quiet as a crypt. You see that there are all sorts of hoses and vacuum tubes, as well as silver bowls, stainless steel hand tools. There's a scale for weighing organs at the operating tables. And of course, there's that really big refrigerator unit for all the dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Now you watch the scene as it plays out before you. Now for the rest of us, I'll read from the account from journalist Michael Paternity. Quote, Harvey says he took a scalpel in his fingers and sliced Albert Einstein open with a Y incision tracing down from each collarbone and scoring the belly, the skin giving way like cellophane. Now, after the skin is peeled open, you marvel at the glistening organs revealed. It's like looking at Slim Goodbody, except for Slim Goodbody is a 76-year-old German-American physicist. (laughs) He's brave and true. (laughs) Exactly. Now, Dr. Harvey reaches into the cadaver, and you see him as he, quote, pulled back two heavy slaps of skin, like drapes. He took a saw in his right hand and cut open Einstein's chest. Inside the wet wonderland of the body. His wet, wa- his body is a wet wonderland. <laughs> exactly. I need it like that. I know. So the smell released from this wet wonderland oh, was just as intoxicating and intense as you can imagine, right? So you're watching Dr. Harvey root around in Einstein's chest cavity. And as paternity puts it, quote, he remembers fingering Einstein's heart and then, then the stomach. Mm-hmm. Then a criminal temptation sets in. You watch as the doctor decides and then acts on his plan to steal the brain of the genius. Quote, working quickly with a knife, Harvey tonsured the scalp, slicing from below one of Einstein's ears, around the back of the head to the other ear, and then up and over the crown of the skull in an arcing motion. The skin peeled back from the bone with a ripping sound, like masking tape being pulled away from a surface. Harvey again shucked the skin on the face side so that now the dome of vanilla white skull was revealed in its entirety. Bearing down on a buzzsaw, he cut through Einstein's head, he cracked the skull like a coconut, he removed a cap of bone, peeled back the viscous meningus and snipped the connecting blood vessels and nerve bundles and spinal cord. And then at last, there it was, a huge rough pearl. He reached with his fingers into the chalice of the man's cranium and removed the glistening brain. I am so queasy right now. (laughs) So sorry. That was, oh. So the pathologist, you watch him as he secrets away the brain. Is there more? No, no, that's it, that's it. You know I love a gross out, but. Yeah, that's a bit much. Hot damn. So Dr. Harvey sitting there with, you know, Einstein's brain in his hand playing like, you know, Yorick or playing rather, (laughs) I guess, Hamlet with Yorick. He decides, I'm going to keep this thing for myself. I got to have this. And so he secrets away the stolen brain. He fills out the death certificate, official cause, rusher of the arteriosclerotic, puts in birthplace, Ulm, Germany, citizen of USA, occupation, scientist. And that was it. Uh Like that. It would take a while for the world to learn the brain of Albert Einstein had just been stolen. Grabbed like a cat burglar snatching up crown jewels. Wow. And after this break, we'll get into what happened to Einstein's wet calculator. (laughs) 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Do you have a chance to towel off and uh, re- kind of recollect yourself? Oh, I got some fresh air. I drank yeah. some water, blinked really hard. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think I I'll got, be okay. I got no more gross outs for you, all right? This yeah. is just pure narrative now. Okay. Okay. Now we have a brainless Albert Einstein and a press conference coming up to announce his passing. The Princeton Hospital is all abuzz. Wait, a brain in? Oh, and a press conference. Yes. They said, and a they're going to wheel him out weekend <laughs> at Bernie hey, Sound. Look what we did. Convertible Einstein. They just took like an old sweater and shoved it in the cavity where his brain was. <laughs> oh, be, look what I'm doing now. Where's today's newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the intrigue is just beginning, okay? We mm-hmm. have the this press conference, and down in the basement is brainless Albert Einstein. Things are about to go off the rails. 
The first domino to check on for, of course, Dr. Harvey. He claims he never stole Einstein's brain. He, mm-hmm. This has been his story forever. He always claims, look, it was just a big misunderstanding. Uh, sure. Yeah, you know, like, oops, I was like, oh, I meant to put it back. He got stuck in my, <laughs> I took it home in my car keys. I was like, oh, I should bring this back. I but, hate when that happens. And then I didn't have anything to put it in. Yeah. So anyway, the idea is, unlike, say, the wrong briefcase he took home, it is actually, he's very aware that he took Einstein's brain yeah, with him. Yeah, come on, dude. You know you took a brain home with you. I mean, unless his house is riddled with other random brains. No, no, actually So there not. you go. Yeah, yeah. No, it is like his only one. It's his only, it's the beginning of his brain collection. His home brain locker is empty. <laughs> exactly. Save Einstein's brain. He just has one very important brain. So Dr. Harvey explains, and I quote, uh, from 1990, he told this to the Miami Herald. Mm-hmm. Quote, I was the one who removed the brain, of course, and had it. The family knew that I knew some good neuropathologist, and so, I guess, asked me to keep it. They thought it might throw some light on his genius, I guess. So he's of your mind. That mm-hmm. just, there may be some brain gems in there we can find. Crystals, brain crystals, <laughs> power crystals, you know. All the various head crystals that are possibly <laughs> up there. Now, uh... He also wasn't alone. I pointed out that you were there for the, the morning scene. I was, scene. sure. But then yeah. also there was Dr. Otto Nathan, who was a colleague and a friend of his, and also was the executor of the Einstein Literary Estate. So he had the family's blessing somewhat. And he was just there as a spectator. Yeah. Just, like an emotional support just watcher. Just there like with a sandwich and a drink going, yeah, cut in. And then I'm like up in the eaves dry heaving. <laughs> No, but he's a, he was a doctor, so he's a little more familiar. He'd gone through all of the, like, yeah. de- desensitization necessary. So, well, for these guys, it must have been, like, hot tickets. Like, yeah. hey, I'm going to cut Einstein open. You want in on this? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. You want to see the wet wonderland of Einstein? He's wearing his Einstein T-shirt. <laughs> he's going to the concert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Dr. Nathan, he apparently was fully aware of what everything was going on. And this is what Dr. Harvey says. Now... There was another doctor there, Dr. Dean, who he was the one who signed the official death certificate. So two other doctors are there to apparently see this theft go down, Mm -hmm. if it indeed went down. After the autopsy, they take Einstein's body over to a funeral home, then over to a crematorium. Oh, so he was... He was was cremated. cremated. Okay. And uh, the the family sprinkled his ashes in the river and uh, basically freed him from his earthly existence. Right. Except for the brain. The brain remained here. And so he had people in there as witnesses. Mm Mm-hmm. He what did he use like a sleight of hand? Shove it in his pocket. <laughs> Look over there. He was he was by himself for a few minutes, so there was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? Opportunity. Shove make, it down your pants. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of motive. <laughs> <laughs> so news leaks about this stolen brain. Mm-hmm. It somehow gets out. Turns out the news story is uh, such that it makes it all the way up to the New York Times. The New York Times writes about it, and they run with the headline: "Key sought in Einstein brain." Oh. Which is a great headline. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. (laughs) So the news story spoke of how Einstein's brain, quote, may shed light on one of nature's greatest mysteries, the secret of genius. Yeah. So everybody's right there with you on this idea that Einstein's brain must be able to reveal to us something about how he constructed the reality he did. They want to talk to the little man who lives in there. (laughs) Exactly. They're like, knock, knock. Can we talk to Descartes? You know who's in there? Buzzy. <laughs> the animatronic. That's He's what Buzzy. Einstein. It's all coming together now. He's uh, oof. making connections. I like yeah, this. It is. So there's a second press conference scheduled for a couple of weeks to announce like what they're going to do with the brain. Second press conference doesn't materialize because mm. the Einstein family catches wind of the New York Times story. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> they, where is his brain? No one told about the, us about the brain being missing. We just get, burned up the body. What the H E uh, double hockey sticks? <laughs> 
Now, Dr. Harvey wasn't the one who'd gone to the press. It was Dr. Zimmerman who said the thing about the brain. He let it slip. And uh, <laughs> basically, he was like, you know, hey, yeah, my boy, Dr. Harvey, he's going to bring me the brain of Einstein. I'm going to do this fabulous study. So he was hyping himself. Mm -hmm. And by hyping himself, he creates this huge problem for the Einstein family. And that's when Dr. Harvey goes into hiding. Oh. He's like, I'm taking this brain and I'm cutting. So he, He's like in a gross motel room with the brain in a jar next to him. Sitting on the bed next to him. He's just talking low. to it. And he's yeah. like, look, when the heat blows over, I'll take you somewhere nice. We'll go to the tropics, baby. The, he has the brain in a jar and there's a wig on the jar. <laughs> on the top of the jar. And so he's no wearing a wig, yeah. Incognito <laughs> mode. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, did you know that Einstein had a, an equation for happiness in life? E equals MC squared. Different equation. I don't know. I don't know. That's the only equation I know. Really? That's a good one. Well, there's know. the Pythagorean, isn't that? Oh, Pythagorean that an, theorem, A squared plus B, B squared, squared equals C, C squared. squared. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I think we have hit the end of the map for me. <laughs> well, those are two good ones. There's, here's a third one we can add yes. to you, right? Einstein said, quote, if A is successful in life, the rule might be expressed A plus X plus Y plus Z. X being work and Y being play and Z being keeping your mouth shut. Oh, hey -o. Yeah, exactly. So that could have been a little lesson to Dr. Zimmerman. I would just say that, yeah. Now, Dr. Harvey, meanwhile, can keep his mouth shut. But he's laying low. He's still going to work. He still has the brain. People are like, can we get the brain back? He's like, no. Well, maybe. I'm going to research it. The, f the family gave it to me. The family says they didn't. Uh, maybe they're wrong. Ask them again. You know, he's like stalling <laughs> as much as he can, running all circles around any logic that comes at him, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this lasts for a more good while until the fall of that year. Dr. Harvey slips away with Einstein's brain. He's now had it in a formaldehyde-filled jar mm -hmm. with the wig on with top. With the wig on top, And it's yes. in shotgun next to him. And he drives <laughs> up to Philadelphia and he goes to the University of Penn. And the reason he goes there is because they have, as he puts it, quote, a big lab there. <laughs> a biggin. Yeah, a real biggin. So, big professional baby. So, <laughs> and I quote... They had equipment for sectioning whole brains, including a microtome used only for brain work. Those particular microtomes are very scarce, and special technicians are needed to operate them. Dr. Eric, who ran the laboratory, had such a technician, and though it took six months to do, we did a beautiful job of sectioning the brain. Okay. So now he's got it going. He's like telling his story. No, this is for research. See, I sliced it all up. He's got clearly. like a really nice deli slicer for exactly. it. Exactly. Running big Einstein's <laughs> brain through the deli slicer. They got super <laughs> thin cut Einstein brain. They're like, this is suitable for the finest sandwich you can imagine. Yeah, shave it. Just get it as thin as possible. So now once he's got the brain sectioned up, what's he going to do with it? Deli sandwiches. Deli sandwiches. No, he starts passing it around. He does a whole Johnny Appleseed routine around the country, <laughs> taking bits of like Einstein brain to different scientists going, here's some for you and here's some for you. Like pieces of the true cross. Exactly. Coming mm -hmm. all the way around full circle. So he said, and I quote, I usually delivered the pieces myself. It could have been handled by mail, I guess, but I wanted to meet these men. Mm. Only men, even though the person he went to at the University of Penn, a woman. He's saying man as in mankind. Yeah, and, okay, I'll give him right, that one. Well. Anyway, after all these years, a study finally emerges. Now, how long do you think it takes before a study emerges? I don't know. Try 34 years. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. In 1985, a scholarly article is published with the title On the Brain of a Scientist, Albert Einstein. Hmm. Quite the prosaic title. Now, this was the only one, and this study purported essentially what your argument, which is that Einstein's brain must have been different from others, and this could be explained by the structure of his brain or possibly brain gems. Yeah. Now, 
Now, Dr. Harvey, he's like, you know, milking this theory. He he's he's also he's mentioned on the paper, even though he had nothing to do with it. I like that it took him 34 years to come up with what I came up with in 30 seconds with brain gems. I know, right? Ask the right questions. You get there faster. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that's pretty much all he has to show for it. Meanwhile, he loses everything. In 1961, just Six years after that fateful autopsy that changed his life, Dr. Harvey loses his job because he won't give up the Einstein brain. Oh, all because of that. It's yeah. not because he's pocketing other brains. No, no. He hadn't like, started that. like a new habit. And he's not like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, Dr. Harvey, you got to keep him. He just wants friends and he's got all these jars with wigs on. <laughs> with eyes attached, yeah, still attached to the brains. <laughs> so he loses his job. The hospital and the staff, everyone liked him, but it was payback because he had kept the brain. They're like, look, we got to get rid of you. You won't listen to the it's boss. Bad look. So he loses his job. Then that causes him to lose his wife. His wife takes his kids. So now he loses his job, his wife, and his kids. It's like a country song. Exactly. All in one fell swoop. The only thing he doesn't lose is his dog. No, he ain't got a dog. He ain't a country song. <laughs> so now that he's lost everything, he moves to Kansas, where he had at one time lived. He gets a job in a plastics factory. He, then he's working as a prison pathologist. He's Later on, fallen hard. Oh, real hard. In the yeah. 70s, he loses his license because mm-hmm. he fails a medical exam. So then in the 90s, he moves back to Princeton. Mm-hmm. Back to his old stomping grounds. Yeah. Still got Einstein's brain, still in the formaldehyde, just doesn't have any good career futures. Wait, now, he still has the brain at this Still point. has the brain in the 90s. He's just still got it. And he's been giving up some sections. You know, he gave some uh, to some researchers and they came up with one paper. He's got the majority of the brain <laughs> in a glass jar. Oh, God. Yeah. And so he gets into a car accident and then... Was the brain in the car accident? No, car okay. brain no. wasn't involved in the car accident in this instance. And this is when journalist Michael paternity, he reaches out to Dr. Harvey. And it requires months because Dr. Harvey just won't answer his phone. He's used to people badgering him. But finally, journalist wears down his resistance and he gets the doctor to agree to go with him on a road trip to take Einstein's brain and drive it across country. Now, there's a good reason for this, though. That's like the greatest feature to pitch to an editor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I found the guy who stole Einstein's brain. We're taking a road trip. Driving across country, spring break, y'all. Yeah, we're taking the brain. Don't worry. (laughs) It's got a wig, sunglasses. (laughs) Got a picnic basket. Yeah, we we got like a colored glass in case it gets too hot. So (laughs) Dr. Harvey, though, as I told you before, he had a secret plan. He wants to take Einstein's brain back to his granddaughter. He wants to reunite it with the family. Okay. So the journalist says, like, I love this pilgrimage. Let's do the brain trek. I I love this for us. Let's go. Yeah. And he's like, look, you're all banged up from the car accident. I'll drive. He's like, (laughs) all right, deal. So (laughs) Dr. Harvey agrees to hop in a car with a stranger and drive across country with Einstein's brain. What's he got to lose at this point? Now, after this little break, we'll be back to dive into the great American road trip with Einstein's brain. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So we're in the 1990s, Elizabeth. How's hey, it feel? Feels, feels good? so good. Can, can you hear the whole playing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Courtney Love is just booming in the speakers outside of the TCBY. It's amazing. Yeah. So, I like your Jenko jeans, by the way. Thank you. They're extra big. These are size 40s. Nice. Yeah. I actually put a whole one-pound block of cheese in my pocket. <laughs> as long as it doesn't get tangled on the wallet chain. Yeah, no, I don't want it in. <laughs> That's how you cut the cheese. Hey! <laughs> She'll be here all night. Thank Please you. tip Thank your waitress. You. So the 90s, we all know and love, there had been... Uh, you know, a heyday of interesting magazine writing at this time. And so Michael Paterni, he's like, oh, I'm going to get in on this. I got a story, boss. The boss is like, I love it. Do it. So he gets a budget. He goes out and he rents a Buick Skylark, shows up in Princeton. He's like, Dr. <laughs> Harvey, hop on in. Dr. Harvey's like, bet. They're lurking it up. Yeah. So they're all ready to do their road trip. But there is some swirling darkness around the trip that I kind of mm. have to mention, right? Okay. There are rumors. Paternity finds out because the there was a, a 
journalist before him in the New Jersey uh, magazine, uh, a journalist went, Stephen Levy, and he basically looked for Dr. Harvey. He went to find the mystery, where is Albert Einstein's missing brain? Mm -hmm. So fraternity had somebody ahead of him on this path, and he basically realizes that there's these rumors that Dr. Harvey's trying to sell the brain. Mm -hmm. And one of the people the rumors point to is Michael Jackson is supposed to be wanting to buy Einstein's brain. out of here. Yeah, he wanted to, I guess, keep it with the elephant man's bones, which he already owned. Right. Now, in the short film, Leave Me Alone, I did while doing research, I found (laughs) that Michael Jackson has this scene where he's filmed dancing with the elephant man's bones. No. I swear to God. No. Yes. Anyway, so can you imagine him like moonwalking with a mason jar filled with Einstein's brain? Sloshing around the wall and the formaldehyde's all cloudy after all this time. He's all hee hee. In 1994, the Sacramento Bee updated this story and they said, quote, try as he might, Harvey can't find an institution or museum that wants the brain that produced the theory of relativity. So everybody kind of knew that he was out there on the make trying to, like, yeah, sell well, this I mean, brain. Yeah, well, I mean, he's losing jobs right and left. <laughs> yeah, he's got really no future. He's basically looking for a retirement package at this point. Yeah. Now, Dr. Harvey decides, you know what, since I can't sell it, Michael Jackson won't buy it. <laughs> I'm going to have to do the right thing, damn it. Yeah. So that's when he comes up with the plan to bring it back to Evelyn Einstein, granddaughter of Albert. And he's like, okay, I'm going to get there. Michael Paterno he sweeps in. He's like, I got a rental car. Let's do it, bro. Now, as I will quickly quote, uh, the Sacramento Bee also reported that for a while, there was an interest in Einstein's gray matter, especially what appeared to be its high concentration of glial cells. Mm. G-L-I-A-L. Glial cells. But as an explanation of Einstein's brilliance, that theory fell by the wayside. And the secrets of his thinking prowess, or of anybody's for that matter, are now thought to lie in the complex chemical functions of the live organ, not the dead tissue. So now basically what he has is a jar full of useless body tissue that once belonged to Einstein. I guess. Brain, so, brain gems. <laughs> brain if gems. you shake someone really hard and uh-huh. you hear rattling, you know they're smart because it's the brain gems. I'm going to write this down. Let me take some notes. better than an IQ test. Yeah, this is like true science. You see someone, you're like, how smart is that guy? Hold on a second. Shake Just him. shake him violently. <laughs> and then if he rattles like a maraca, you're like, I got me Einstein 2.0 here. Yeah. Got a real brain genius over mm-hmm. here. You hear that rattling like a rain stick? Because I'm I'm a brain genius. Yeah, I like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of funny that science just determines that Einstein's brain is essentially worthless to science. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, by the way, your brain's worthless. <laughs> so Einstein's uh, brain basically had powers, and the powers were his animating spirit. It yeah, wasn't about yeah. the car, you know. So anyway, it's just the shell. So what did this journalist discover about the man who eventually stole the brain of this genius and now has this rather useless collection of body tissue? You shake him, nothing. No no sound. You got these two strangers in this rental car driving across America, backseat filled with Einstein's brains, (laughs) right? Now, meanwhile, paternity, he starts this trip. He's got some hard questions. And Mm -hmm. I will quote from his book, Driving Mr. Albert, quote, Is he a grave-robbing thief or a renegade? A sham artist or a shaman? What about the rumors that he plans to sell Einstein's brain to Michael Jackson for some unspecified millions of dollars or has entertained another private offer of three million? So he's just sitting there. This is what's swirling around with him as he's like, all right, close the door. Let's get on the road. They Mm -hmm. start driving across country. These questions seem to matter less and less the further they get away from Princeton. He starts focusing on the man. He starts to get into like... Who was this guy when he was that 42-year-old doctor and just fate fell into his lap and said, yeah. hey, can you cut open the body of the most brilliant man you've possibly ever seen or known, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay. Well, 
at this point, Harvey, you know, he's got the brain, as I, I've told you numerous times, and it's in essentially a giant glass mason jar, right? Or maybe like you think of like a candy jar. I don't know what jar would be such you could picture I think in, it. I, in my head, uh-huh. giant mason jar. Okay. Or sometimes when you say it, it mm-hmm. I imagine like a like a big candy jar at like a, a store. Yeah, like one of those ones like guess how many jelly how beans many, are in here. Yeah, how many jawbreakers are in this thing? And there's like one loose jawbreaker floating in the formaldehyde with the brain. Okay, well, getting ready for Picture the, it. <laughs> getting ready for the road trip. Turns out that Dr. Harvey, you know, switched containers. And so... Mm-hmm. Michael Paternity gets to finally see the brain. He's been talking to this guy for months. He keeps asking about it. And he's like, hey, before we get on the road, can you like show me the brain? And he's like, "Ah, I don't know about that. He's like, come on, man, just show me the brain. He's like, all right, can you like kind of calm down a little bit? I'll go get it. So Dr. Harvey shuffles around. And now I turned it over to Michael Paternity. Quote, Harvey appeared from the darkness with a big cardboard box in his hands. He set it down and one at a time pulled out two large glass cookie jars full of what looked to be chunks of chicken in a golden broth. Oh, God. Oh, God. Einstein's brain chopped into pieces ranging from the size of a turkey neck to a dime. A swirling universe unto itself. Galaxies, suns, and planets. It seemed to glow. And the old man, he stood over it transfixed, nodding. In his face was a sudden nakedness, an expression of awe, of the soul manifesting itself on the surface of the body no <laughs> no <laughs> okay i got one for you i got one for you ready okay so while they're driving across country once they load up and they got the brain in the back seat and it is in tupperware that they package it up here's the thing though when i imagine it in my head it's mm-hmm. like a cartoon yes it's a comic yes. and then when you're reading these descriptions and it it's like real. chicken and yeah Oh, <laughs> my stomach is turning. <laughs> the broth. Oh, so, stop it. As they're going across country with the Tupperware, they start basically getting into some various stories of other people's brains and what happens to them. And there's an interesting one I thought you'd like to know. At the Y Star Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, it was uh, famous for how many bones and brains it once held back when that was the thing to keep. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Institute had Walt Whitman's brain. Oh. Right? But then there was an accident. As the Birmingham Daily Mail reported in December 6, 1907, quote, Mr. Anthony Spitzka, professor at the Jefferson Medical College in a published report on his comparative study of the brains of eminent American authors and scientists, states that Walt Whitman's brain is lost to science. A hospital employee carelessly dropped the jar containing the poet's brain, which was cut into pieces and could not be saved. That's incredible. And it's like, so he's like mopping someone and they... They hit it with the handle yeah, and it the, skids across the floor. <laughs> exactly. There's no dog to come in and eat it like that TV show. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, this one was like, oh, look, the, it's all mixed in with the glass. I can't even sort this out. Just put it in the dustbin. Oh, God. Yeah, cut my brain into yeah, it's pieces. it's just the shell. <laughs> this is my last cortex. Oh, God. Right? No? I like it. <laughs> so, I'll allow it. The Great American Road Trip with Einstein. Surprisingly, wasn't as fun as it sounded. Yeah, it does not sound like a barrel of laughs. It's 2,900 miles from New Jersey to Berkeley, California. So they felt about all of those miles. Let's just put it that way. That Buick Skylark rental car, journalist and scientist, was pretty quiet for most of the drive. Oh, gosh. They had a couple times they got a little tense with each other. And also, like, there's other personal issues with both of the their partners in their lives. So oh. compounding pressures, right? Well, eventually... As we're getting closer to the, the West Coast paternity, he's like, this guy's a handful. I got to call Evelyn uh, Einstein and let her know we're on our way. And see Wait, she, she doesn't know they're coming? And see if she really wants this to happen. Oh, God. Right? We shouldn't just like, you know, 
shocker with this. Yeah, you're just hanging out at home, and yeah. then these two like, goofballs pull up in a rental car like, with two jugs full of brain bits. Your grandfather's brain. Hey, grandpa's brain. Yeah, do you want this? Here, take them. Where should we put they're this? They're fighting, and so they're <laughs> exactly. just like at all they're passive all aggressive, away. like, yeah. ah, just take it. Here, you take it. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly. So when they, when he calls her, Evelyn Einstein, she knows who this dude is. Mm-hmm. She's like, ah, yes, the white rabbit. Fraternity's <laughs> like not quite getting with the riff, right? And she's riffing on the Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey. So she explains to the young journalist, he lived in Kansas. His name is Harvey. Enough said, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, whatever. So <laughs> He's just like flies over his yeah, head. Like, yeah. I don't, totally don't get your mid-century <laughs> references. So later in their phone call, Evelyn Einstein, who is pretty tense with him at first, she starts to warm up and then so they start talking about the theft of her grandfather's brain. And she's like, it's dégoûtant. You know, it's disgusting what he's done. All right. But then she eventually softens her stance because the journalist, Michael Paternity, he's pretty kind and nice to her. And he's like, look, do you want to meet this guy or not? She's like, look, and I quote, I'm interested in science. I'm curious about the brain. And besides, I have to have a sense of humor about this. It's really the only way I can deal with it. That's if a good outlook. Up, yeah, with the organ part, the organ and body yeah. parts of your dead relatives. Like, hey, you want to see this? You're like, I got to laugh at this. Yeah, she's got a lot of brain crystals. <laughs> Super brain crystals, isn't it? Brain gems. No, miles and miles later, 2,900 to be exact, right? they get to Berkeley and they're like, hey, we got the brains. We're showing up at your place, right? And then they arrive at her place and she's prepared for it. And she's like, you know, psychically prepared herself to deal with this guy who stole her grandfather's brain decades ago. And like, why would he want to show up at her house going, here, it's back. I'm sorry. Forgive me. She doesn't know what he's going to ask for, right? He shows up and he's the nervous one, right? He won't sit down. She's all gracious and generous, invites him into her home that has this beautiful view of San Francisco. It's a really nice Berkeley home. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there. He stands up. The journalist is sitting on the couch with her. The two of them are having a conversation. He won't sit down. They ask him, hey, you want to sit down? He's like, nope. Ask, hey, you, you want to sit down? Yeah. Four times it takes before he finally is like, yeah, okay, he, I'll he sit down. He knows he's done wrong. Oh, yeah. No, he's, yeah. he's highly nervous around her. <laughs> now, she tries to, like, break the ice. And so she's asking him questions. She's like, hey, did you autopsy the whole body? And he's like, oh, yeah, the whole body. She's like, what was that like? He's like, oh, oh, quote, why it made me feel humble and insignificant. She's like, mm, I can see that, right? And the journalist, he's like, oh, I, I got involved in this. I got a couple of questions. Let me pepper him with a couple. So he's like, hey, can we see the brain? Let, let her see the brain. Show her the, show her the deal, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know if that'd be a good idea. And she's like, no, that would be wonderful. And he's like, okay, let me go get the Tupperware. So he pulls out the Tupperware container that he's got the brains and the brain broth in. And he's oh. like... Puts it on like the little, I don't know, I imagine like, like a coffee table. And mm-hmm. he's like pushes aside the day's newspapers. He's like, here, let me put a little space for the brain. Cracks open the lid. Whoa, he took the lid off. Takes the lid off. <laughs> he pulls out a piece of her grandfather's brain. He's holding it up. With his hands. Yeah, his hands touching it. It's all formaldehyde. It, the stink is filling the room. It just now smells like a morgue in there. And he's like, yeah, you, you want to touch it? You want to hold it? She's like, yeah, he won't hand it to her. She's like all confused. He's like, yeah, you want to touch it? And then he don't hand it to her. She's like, what is the, what is this guy's deal? Like, I don't uh, get it. That boy ain't right. Exactly. But the journalist paternity, he's getting annoyed, right? So he's like, dude, just hand her the, the body part. And she's like, yeah, no, no. We just put it back in the Tupperware, right? And he seals the lid. won't give it to her. She's like, it's my grandfather's brain. Let me hold the brain. And he's like, I don't know. Look, I got to call my cousin. He lives in San Mateo. I'm going to go have dinner with him. <laughs> so she's like, well, I had dinner plans for all of us. I thought we could go out. No, no, I got to go see my cousin. I don't get out here that often. She's like. She's like, I had dinner plans eyeing the Tupperware. <laughs> 
Did you bring cayenne pepper? <laughs> so the uh, at this point, Dr. Harvey's like, look, I got to split. And he's like, you're going to give me a ride? And the journalist is like, no, bro, we're done. This is, this trip is over. So they diverge past. And he just takes off and goes to meet his cousin. He ends up taking Bart over to... Stop it. Yes, he takes Bart over because he's like, the guy, the chauffeur won't drive me. So he just goes and he takes Bart. Well, then he would have to get on like Caltrain to get down to San Mateo. Oh, yeah, totally. Good call. Yeah. yeah so A lot of transit options there. Meanwhile, he leaves the brain behind in the rental car. <laughs> These all three of them at this point, I'm just like, enough. They all need a good smack in the face. Evelyn and the paternity of the journalist, they go outside and they're going to take a little walk, coming back from dinner. They see the rental car and they notice that the Tupperware is in back. And she's like, he he left the brain? Does does he do this often? Like, what's been going on on this road trip? And Paternity's like, no, man, I don't even know what the deal. The two of them look at each other like, what a kook he was, huh? Right? Right? Like, so glad he's gone, right? He just couldn't bear to say, here's the brain. Like, that yeah. was his French exit. Just like, I gotta go. I gotta, yeah. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. Wow. So Paternity grabs the brain. They bring it inside. Crack open the lid. He's like, you What want- is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, you want to play with your granddad's brains? So, so she's like, oh, God. yes. She runs her fingers through the golden broth. She spies oh, the brains God. all bobbing in there no. like stars or galaxies no. or apples at a county fair. And uh, so... Do they go bobbing for apples? Yeah, bobbing it? for brains. So oh. she's like poking around at the brains. And she's like, so this is what all the fuss is about? And she's like, you know, like running her finger through the no, brains. stop it. He, <laughs> now he tries. Paternity's like, hey, can I leave these with you? You just keep these? He's you, like, you sticks like the straw in the liquid. <laughs> Takes a little, little slurp. Glur, we get glur. a bang off that. <laughs> just, just a little taste. I, I just always wanted to. <laughs> Doc would have thought it was weird. So she's like reluctant. She's like, no, I don't want the brains. You, you can take them. He's like, no, no, I'm just going to leave them here. She's like, no, 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 you take Nobody them. Nobody so wants they them. They start fighting over the brains, but nicely. And I like actually fighting, but casually. Like, no, you take it. In the end, he takes the brains. And he's like, oh, fine, I'll take the damn brains. So he takes the brains. He gives them back to Dr. Harvey. He's like, look, here, you take the brains back. Dr. Harvey's like, I thought we were giving them to her. I thought I was good. Yeah. We're out. And he's, she's like, he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go write this book. All right. So paternity checks out. Dr. Harvey goes back to Princeton, and he takes the brain back to where he got it, to Princeton Hospital. And he's like, how about you guys? Will you take the brain? <laughs> so he then takes it to this dude, Dr. Elliot Krauss, who now has his job. Dr. Elliot Krauss is the pathologist at Princeton Hospital. And he commented on how strange this moment was <laughs> for him. Think? Dr. Elliot Krauss said, and I quote, he didn't really say anything. He just walked in here and he handed me the cardboard box. I mean, I think he was relieved. He looked relieved, but he didn't really say anything. Didn't give me instructions or anything. He just, now it's mine. So now this dude has just the silently brain. walks in. Yeah, gives him the box. Sets it down. Oh. Doesn't say anything. Just like, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so worried that, you know, some careless janitor might knock it off the shelf and have like a Whitman accident or that somebody else might come in and steal it. This pathologist, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to have to take this home. No. <laughs> so he takes the Einstein brain out with him. The Lord of the Energy range of this is so great. you learned nothing? My precious. Oh, God. So he's over there. And, uh, you know, interestingly, all these people, none of them stop to think about what would Einstein want yeah. us to do with his brain? Yeah. So Einstein very clearly said, and I quote, people shouldn't worship my bones. So this is, it isn't even like, oh, I wonder what he would have said. He's like, he said it. literally. Yeah, we have to assume that applies to brains. Like bones well, and course, brains, he yeah. needs my body parts. Well, you know, he had that really beautiful thing of my task here is done. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, 
He's let got a lot slip. of brain gems. He's seeing way beyond this, you guys. <laughs> let him slip his mortal coil. Yeah. To slip out of his skin and go be one with the universe. Yeah. But there you go. That is our story of the Albert Einstein brain theft. Wow. Elizabeth, what's our ridiculous takeaway? I, I'm, I'm going to be really self-centered and focused on me right now. Go for it. I that like this. My takeaway is that I can dish it out, but I can't take it. Yes. I can say lots of gross stuff, but when people, when you're telling me all these gross things, I am literally queasy. <laughs> I was worried, but then also a little excited to do this one. <laughs> now, my ridiculous takeaway, thanks for asking. Is <laughs> no, I, it was all about me right now. Oh, I, I'm sorry. That's I haven't called time on that yet. Oh, all right, yeah. fine. Can I, have a, can I have the conch show? Yes, yes. Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> Starting with a favorite quote of his, Einstein once said, and I quote, mm -hmm. there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Now, for me, that's the ultimate lesson of Einstein. When a finger points to the sky and shows you the wonders of the heaven, don't get hung up on the finger. Yes. Just stay focused on the wonder, not the finger that pointed it out. Like, I don't see how that's so hard to grasp. And also, here's my second part. This, at that finger that, that's pointing, that's the same finger that you could pick a nose with. There's nothing special yeah. about a finger. Even if it's Einstein's, doesn't freaking matter. In this case, if it's even if it's his brain, it doesn't freaking matter. It's what we do with the brain that matters. Mm -hmm. Far more than the gray matter itself. Perfect. That's all I got to say. Beautiful. That's it. Be back next week for another one. Later. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime you'd like to hear about? You want to confess to a ridiculous crime? Hit us up. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by the resident pathologist of the soul, Dave Kustin. Research is by the chief anatomist to the stars, Marissa Brown. Our theme song is by Thomas, let me finger your brains, Lee, and Travis, no, get away from me, Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, brains for days, Bolin, and Noel, how much for a stolen liver, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Matcha! I love
loves matcha. So rich and smooth. Do you love matcha love? Yep. Matcha love is the best in the biz. Experience the vitality of the whole tea leaf. So many powerful health benefits. You know what else I love? Sweet treats. You are in luck. Matcha's great for baking. Can you make cookies or cheesecake with matcha? Yes. Or your other favorites, ice cream or madeleines. Yes. Delicious. Matcha love. Get 25% off all matcha love products on itoen.com using code CRIME. That's code C-R-I-M-E at I-T-O-E-N dot com. Available on Amazon and Itoen dot com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.